Hey guys, welcome to Because I Said So, the podcast where we discuss age and how it affects how we perceive ourselves, how we perceive others, and the conversations that we have because of it. Thank you for listening, and please leave a review to support the podcast. Thank you. Hey everybody, we have a very special guest today. Her name is Miriam Reside. Miriam, do you want to introduce yourself? Hey, I'm Miriam. And Miriam has had a very unique childhood in that she's been very um, exposed to and like has learned a lot about the prison system. And so first, can you tell us just a little bit of background about how you grew up and about how that relates to um, that topic? Okay, yeah, so my dad started working um, on death row, so unit two, about three years ago, and he is a professor at Vanderbilt, and he teaches a course. He takes students from Vanderbilt Divinity School, so students getting their PhD, um, to uh, unit two, and teaches a course both to the inmates and to his students and he teaches about compassion and trauma and restorative justice and that's just kind of how I got introduced to it Mm -hmm. and how like corrupt our system is and how awful it is and like I've started to just become really passionate about my feelings towards it yeah and so what was your first introduction to that um topic and what was your original thought wow um Okay, honestly, my first introduction was from my neighbor, like, my neighbors. Um, They're both lawyers, and they work with people on death row and people of lower incomes and people who truly need the help to get what they're, to get justice for themselves. Um, So I was introduced to that, like, when I was six, you know, that's when I first started understanding, not deeply, but, like, understanding what our system is and what's wrong with it. And then I, but I was never passionate about it until the past two years when my dad and on death row, these human beings who are sentenced to death. And that's when I just kind of was thinking about it a lot and really introduced to it because I mean, we talk about it all the time. My stepmom uh, works at Oasis, which is a nonprofit that works with survivors of child sex abuse. And so it's just, there's a lot of um, the idea of compassion and restorative justice and trust and like our, my family, we hate the system. And that's kind of how I got like really into it. Yeah. And so um, just to define that term, can you define what restorative justice means to you and just kind of as a whole? Because I think that we hear about, um, you know, kind of that idea, but not everybody knows what that really means. Yeah, so can I, like, go off and then come back to that? Yeah. Okay, so our justice system is built on punishment. You solely get punished for the mistakes that you've made or didn't make. Um, You get punished, and that is the way that justice is served in our society. But there are other um, ways to get justice. You can get justice through taking responsibility and saying you're never going to do it again. And then people will probably be like, People have a problem with that because they're like, well, if you do it once, you're going to do it again, which is completely not true. Mm -hmm. Um, There are many studies about, like, the problem with patterns. 
and um, you can plug you can plug the podcast because I know Miriam and I uh, were talking about this a while ago actually and she told me about a really cool podcast so do you want to just mention that really quickly it's called the pattern problem I think that's the title of it right yeah that's Um, the title by Invisibilia part of the NPR and vibes yeah and it and it just relates to again like you were saying the issue with patterns and how they are not good predictors but it's how humans cope with the world around them yeah so um restorative justice is this idea of getting justice um through taking responsibility or through help something more towards the idea of reform Mm -hmm. than towards the idea of punishment yeah and our society you sold like your literal your only option is punishment as severe as death Mm -hmm. and i i feel like it's interesting to look at the way that we treat youth who are incarcerated a lot of Mm -hmm. times versus um adults who are incarcerated because i think that um although again youth incarceration is not always equal it's not always fair there's so many things it's never fair it's never fair yeah but i i feel like if if society pushes for um restorative justice they push for it for youth because they're like oh they're young they have um an option to change or at least more so than they do for adults i kind of disagree with that i think that society not fully like you're right when you think about it that's how it should be right Mm -hmm. but that's where the pattern problem comes in if a child does something they're like people try to try them as they do try them as adults you know and it's like they make this mistake as a child and they can be tried as an adult the fact that that's even possible and very common for people of who are poor and of color it's like the i just the fact that that can happen is like shocking to me yeah and Um, and it happens all the time centoya brown her story insane yeah yeah um definitely look into that if you haven't that is a wild story and also i think i and i really appreciate you actually correcting me on that because again it's something that maybe because i haven't been so um Mm -hmm. exposed to it that's something that i can think is oh Mm -hmm. like they have more programs for youth to reform. Yeah, and I was about to say, and what you've probably been exposed to with these programs, this idea that people are trying to help, and they are, they are trying to help, but it hasn't really changed anything. I, okay, I hate to say that. It has. It has changed things drastically. But there are still so many children in poverty and of color who are getting tried as adults and are spending life in prison for a mistake they made at 15 years old. Yeah. and. I think that it it's interesting the desire to um, try children as adults. I think that that is such an interesting mm-hmm. thing, and I think it goes into the studies about the brain um, because I know that there were some studies that I was looking into specifically about age mm-hmm. and when your brain develops, and your lot like the logic aspect of your brain develops by age sixteen, but the emotional mm-hmm. response, which is often mm-hmm. when sparks people to commit crimes isn't fully developed until you're Almost always. yeah and it isn't fully developed until you're in your late 20s yeah you know? and even further for some people and so i think that that's so interesting just to tie into mm-hmm. all of that um and yeah i i think that it's just so fascinating yeah i think 
like I said before, and I'll probably say it like 8,000 times during this because it is like one of the biggest problems is our system is not built on reform. It's not believed. So they think this child committed this crime or didn't, or was there are some stories where it's like very common where this kid like was in the car with someone when they robbed somebody and drove away with them and they got life in prison. There are some stories like that. Um, yeah. And like, it's just, if they view it, if it happened once when they're so young, of course it's going to happen when they're older, but that's not how it works. Also, I'd like to throw in like the people who are committing these crimes tend to not have the best. And I'm thinking more, really anybody, they don't tend to have the best childhoods, but I'm really thinking about unit two. Not a single person on death row has a childhood that they got, gets a childhood that a human being deserves. Yeah. So this is kind of off topic, but I'm just people who are um, being treated so poorly by our criminal justice system were treated so poorly as children and in their lives already. Yeah. And I think that's so crucial because Again, we, we, a lot of times are foundationally, um, I guess, compounds of our trauma and how we deal with them and how, mm-hmm. like, the mm-hmm. resources that we have to be able to grow from them. And those people, like you were saying, don't get those resources because they're in this um, cycle of trauma and in the cycle of just, I don't know, it's kind of like, the, I mean, the criminal justice cycle, you know? And I think um, you can probably speak a little bit more on this, but the reentry rates of children who do get out of that system um, are high, but it's not because they can't change. It's because there was no attempt at reform. Exactly. So, and that's another thing with our, I'm going to put like justice in quotes, our criminal justice system. Um, And where the idea of patterns come into play is because they think if one person commits this, goes to prison, getting back into prison, that's a very high rate. but that's because they've, it's not the same situation anymore. They've been to prison, a horrible place to be. Yeah. And you expect them to go committing a crime, going to prison, and coming back and not doing something horrible? Mm-hmm. It's not that likely, and it's not their fault. Like you said, they have not gotten help. Let's say you're a drug addict, right? You rob a bank because you need money for meth. and um. You go to jail, you come back, you haven't gone to rehab, you haven't gotten help, you're still addicted. Well, you can't really get, anyway, you're still addicted and you do the same thing. That's not necessarily a whole pattern problem. That's a you haven't gotten, you got by our system problem. Mm-hmm. No, I, I totally agree. It's, it's um, I don't know, it's like this punishment i know we were talking about like the four tenets i think of justice um and one of them being like deterrence and yeah Mm -hmm. you can say there's some deterrence there but not a not really because nobody's thinking about that when they're committing nobody's about that and basically i'm sorry i'm gonna say this again basically everything i talk about has to do with death row um when you are in the mindset to commit a murder as gruesome as these men have committed i hate to say that but you're not thinking oh I'm going to get the chair, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so, and that goes along with everybody in, not everybody, but most people in our, in our system. No, I, I totally agree. It's like, it's, it's, this is not what's really on their minds when they're doing Mm -hmm. these things. Um, and so by just sending them to prison for however long you do, 
it's it's which is always too damn long (laughs) true it makes no sense well not if you're a rich white man but if you're a poor black man it's like your sentences are insanely long yeah can you dig into that just a little bit that thing firstly firstly um i guess the socioeconomic aspect and then also race yeah yeah so i know I hate to, this is my privilege speaking. I know more about um, the poverty part than the race part. So I'm, I'll go yeah. deeper into the advantage of the race, um, which is sad. I do want to learn more about that and I will work on that. But um, Brian Stevenson once said, great man, beautiful human being, um, that the, our system treats you better if you're rich and guilty than if you're poor and innocent. Mm-hmm. If you're in poverty, you can't pay i'm trying to like think how i want to start this sorry you can't get the lawyer a high lawyer you get the lawyer you get because it's in the constitution right but these lawyers these um public defenders thank you these public defenders have 130 something cases at a time right and a lot of people don't like public defenders and how they treat their clients but i mean it is the system's fault. They are trying so hard. They have hundreds of cases at once. When somebody, a rich person, lawyer, I don't know, um, is going to have two or three at a time. Yeah. So and it's, like, yeah, it's, it's, again, it's this thing about the cycle, not the mm-hmm. pattern of the person, but the cycle that we place them into. Yep. They, they can't. There are so many people who have committed crimes that are nothing. They're nothing. And they'd be not, they wouldn't be in prison at all if they had had a better lawyer. Exactly. And um, specifically talking about unit two, I know mm-hmm. you've discussed that there are some people that are in there that are, it's, um, it's pretty clear that they are innocent, but because they lacked the legal um privileges oh my god they're stuck yeah they these to get somebody um if somebody's up for the chair or i believe one direction whatever but i if someone's up for the chair the amount of work you have to put in to prove someone's innocence for a murder when people are convinced people don't want to be wrong about committing a murder they don't want to be you know so or they don't want to be shown like proved wrong because then they're like oh i didn't keep my community safe there's still murder out there so these people have everything against them Mm -hmm. and they're public defenders who have a hundred something more cases have to find all of this evidence for something that has no evidence proving them guilty and prove them innocent it is impossible yeah and i think again it's what you're saying i mean my only experience um with like the job of a lawyer is in youth and government and i know we had to write two briefs um for two different sides and that is insanely difficult now imagine somebody's life is on your hands exactly and and that was just like that was um like a fake case you know like that was Mm -hmm. something that was handed to us for us to work with and it took weeks to do and um I mean, you can, you can say like, yes, but these lawyers have gone to law school. They're more well-practiced, but that you can't um, do that like times 150. There are also some really bad public defenders out there. Like there are people who are like, have spoken out about being for the death penalty. 
and they're public defenders. I don't get why they're public defenders. I guess everybody needs money, but it's just, it's not fair. So that's like the problem with like the money in our system. And it's just like, Mm-hmm. you don't get treated well if you're poor yeah and of color well and that's again another cycle that our society tends to put people of color into mm-hmm. is is putting putting people of color into that poverty mm-hmm. cycle because that's the way that our society is yeah. um, working and so it's kind of this just continuous cycle and that's why i think i think those are so intertwined i think that's yeah. why um race and poverty in like are so intertwined in the system because it's also easy to scapegoat you know it's like oh my god yes oh my god okay so um in this book that i read my favorite book of all time i highly suggest it it's a very easy read literally will take two days because it's not written by an author it's written by um just this guy who was falsely accused of murder it's called the sun dies shine by anthony ray hinton and he talks about how he was falsely accused and put on unit two for 36 years of his life. And he talked about how one of the, um, I don't remember if it was a prosecutor or like one of the cops arresting him. I don't remember who it was, but someone of power um, told him that it didn't matter if it wasn't him who committed the crime. He is a black man. It wasn't him. If, it didn't matter if it wasn't him that committed the crime because one of his brothers did. And that and he is, all for it. yeah, that is, I can't even, I can really truly can't fathom that because I think, again, um, this is something that's not talked about as much. No, oh my God, it's not talked about. I was so, I'm so grateful that I have been introduced to this, but I would be completely unaware. Yeah, and I think it's, because it's even, like, we have our, we have the dialogue going on right now um, about race that is so (laughs) crucial and so important and so... Just eye opening, um, but this is a facet of that, like we had just talked about, oh you know, and and it's not talked about. And um, specifically, something that I know you're very passionate about is the death penalty. So, can you dive a little bit deeper into that aspect of things? Yeah, okay. So, I'd like to kind of start just like with the emotional and like psychology and not like the statistics. Yeah, these I'm gonna say men because there's like 3,000 people on death row in our country and five of them are women when one of them is in tennessee though um not that that's good but just fun fact <laughs> um um so these men are human beings first of all they're not murderers i mean they are murderers but they're so much more than that yeah as brian stevenson once said i kind of quote this man a lot because i happen to be in love with him um <laughs> We're all more than the worst thing we've done. That is true. These men made mistakes in their 20s, in their teens. They have been on the row for 50 years. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're going to murder a 70-year-old? These men, my dad knows them. Like, they're literally friends with him. They are not murderers anymore. Oftentimes they made mistakes. If you hear these people's childhoods, you tell me you get raised like that and you come out not a little bit messed up. Yeah. People have PTSD from war. They have drug addictions. They had horrible childhoods. But they're human beings. 
They did awful things. I'm well aware of that. They should be in our criminal justice system, but they should not get killed. What yeah. does that help? Honest to God, what does that help? No, I, I, we were talking about this a little bit ago. It, um, I, killing someone is very different than keeping them um, in the criminal justice system, keeping yes. them imprisoned. That is so different because the psychological effect of that, even mm-hmm. like before, like you've, you've condemned them to death. You know, imagine being. Sorry. Well, I was no, I was just saying, and so, I if anything, I I would imagine that that doesn't. I I don't think that that punishes them. I really don't. I think by punishment, I mean not punishment in the um in the sense of that it's going to create any sense of reform. I think that that you mean it's not justice, not it's not punishment. Yeah, yeah, that exactly. I think because there's there's no. There's, there's just nothing that will come out of that that really changes things, you know? There's, nothing. It's, it's not... And like the it, people, if anybody, like, is thinking, like, oh, what about, like, the victim's family? There are studies that show that the victim's family, that it, killing the, the person who committed the murder does not help. Yeah. At all. Yeah. No, I, I, I feel like that would almost be... Um, I, if I were the victim's family, like, let's say I'm, like, 40 and my daughter gets murdered, and then this guy who did it gets murdered, I would feel two deaths, like, bearing down on me. Exactly. That's, that's what I, that's what I was thinking, is it's, like, this, I feel like there's, there would be this internal dichotomy of, like, well, yes, like, I wanted justice for my, um, friend, relative, child, etc., but now... (laughs) I have just caused this other person to be killed. Well, I don't think they've caused it. No, 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 no. But they like, are part of it, yes. Yeah, that's what I mean. But I feel like, I mean, if it were, if it were me, I would feel yeah. like I had caused yeah. it. I would feel guilt. I would feel like I would take the blame for it. Yeah. And I think it's, that it doesn't, it doesn't absolve just. anything. The point, here's, in my opinion, the point of our criminal justice system should be reform help change and this idea i just read this book called demonic males i don't remember who it's by i don't like suggest it it's a fine book but it's talking about how um comparing like chimpanzees and human beings and like mm-hmm. monkeys they will kill off their violent um members are and that's like every animal finds a way to get rid of their violent members i understand how prison is the way to get rid of our and I'm going to put some quotes, violent members of our society. And if that was what we were doing, then I would understand. But a way to get rid of our violent members is to help them and to make, like, get them the help they need so that they're not in this violent mindset. Which I don't like that either. It's not really a mindset. Like, the guys that my dad teach, they have said, they have told him, like, I don't know what it was, but something forced them to do it. They felt this pressure that they had to commit compulsion, this this compulsion. Exactly. So it's not like they are violent, but they did do a violent thing. So all they need is help. What does killing them help anybody? Honestly, what does having them sitting in a cell in prison, life on prison, help anybody? Exactly. If if you don't have if you don't have reform methods. And I'm I'm sure that there are, as always, exceptions to the rules. There are certain people who 
probably will not be able to change, but I would argue that the majority of people, humans are, humans are malleable, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that if you were to get someone, again, the mental health help that they need, Mm -hmm. imagine, imagine, and I'm not saying that there isn't an attempt to do this Mm -hmm. to a certain extent, but it's it's not where it honestly isn't. It's, it's so subpar. There are stuff, this kind of goes off, but there are studies that show that seven years in prison, after that, it's not helpful. Yeah. Because at that point, it just becomes, I guess, painful, painful, monotonous. I think that there's so much that you could talk about with it because um, it's like what you were saying. It's just, that is cruel and unusual punishment. Inherently. It is, I do not understand the people who don't think it's cruel and unusual punishment. They are put... And I'm talking about Unit 2, I don't really know that much about, um, like, the normal prisons, I guess, which I have time to learn about that, but right now I don't know a lot. Um, Unit 2, they are put in cages. And I'm talking about Alabama death row, because I also know more about that. Um, Tennessee, we actually do, not that I'm saying anything good about it, we do have a pretty good um, death row facility. Um, But... They're put in cages. They are put so close close to the death chair that they can, if one of their friends is mm-hmm. murdered by the chair, they can smell the smell of burning skin for days afterwards. And they just have to live with that. So imagine living in those cages your whole life, knowing you've done a horrible crime, not getting to change. Well, they do change, but having to change in this awful situation. And then one day you get your letter that has your date written on it. And then you're on death watch in a couple months for three days. And then you're taken to the room. And if you're doing the chair, you're, all of your hair is shaved off. And a bag is sometimes, I don't know, not always, but sometimes placed over your head. And you are strapped into a chair. And you are killed. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. You're burned, to, you're that burned to death. You're burned. Cool. You're trying to tell me that that is not cruel and unusual punishment? Exactly. I'm sorry, you're an idiot. Being, being burned to death, and I know we had talked about this, sometimes their heads um, are severed up. from their bodies. Yeah. The lethal injection, people are like, oh, they have that. People in Tennessee are, and Alabama are choosing the electric chair as a protest to the lethal injection. Obviously, the electric chair is more violent and more gruesome. But the lethal injection, you're suffocating. Like, you can't breathe. These people's faces turn red. They're coughing. They're wheezing. And that's their last couple minutes on Earth. Yeah. And in one state, the firing squad is still a thing. Can you explain that? Can you explain that a little bit more? Like, 14 people stand at you with guns pointed at your face. One of them is loaded. Hmm. And that, that, again, it's like what you were saying, it feels almost medieval, you know? Um, like, we like to claim that we've advanced so far, but yet these types of punishments still exist. And not only is it cruel and unusual punishment, it is not. Not that this would make it better. Not saying that if it was fairly distributed, it would be better. It wouldn't, but it makes it worse, if that makes sense. It's not fairly distributed. It's poor people, normally people of color, mm-hmm. on death row. Like, that's, yeah. it's just not fair. Their yeah. lives have been against them their entire lives. Like yeah. I said, their childhoods are disgusting. 
Mm-hmm. They're mortifying to hear about. Literally as mortifying as the crimes they've committed. Yeah, and I think so why that, should they get punished for that? Yeah, and I think that that, it, that it's just so important to humanize these people. Mm-hmm. Even even if I un- and I understand it can sometimes feel and their crimes a lot of times are just abhorrent. You know, um, you don't have to have empathy for what they have done, but for who they are now, you have got to be compassionate. Exactly, and it's also you're hearing these one sided stories of what they've done and not. And yes done and not what was done to them and not their childhoods mm-hmm. and all of these things and i think that yeah that's just it's so it's so important um and i guess to wrap it up do you want to list any books or documentaries or just any form of media that people can look into to educate themselves about this topic further yeah definitely so some pretty like basic like um pretty like low level not super deep things if it, it's kind of an intense topic we didn't go very intense into it today but like that's yeah. kind of how you start educating people um i highly suggest my favorite book is the sun to shine by anthony ray hinton it's just it shows this side of it that you don't hear yeah so also uh, just mercy is both a book and a movie the movie is free on amazon right now um and then like we said the pattern problem from invisibilia also there's i don't remember its name there's an empathy one by invisibilia and then um one of the most emotional ones i think is dead man walking with i think saint helen i hate myself for not knowing that um she's got a beautiful story and it deals with people it is about people on death row and it's it's very emotional it's very good those yeah. are just kind of like some basic ways to educate yourself. Yeah, and um, again, I know that you are going to go on and do great things to change um, what justice looks like because right now it is absent <laughs> in many ways from the <laughs> justice system. And Miriam, thank you so much for being on thank today. Thank you. And thank you everyone for listening. If you could just share with one person, that would mean more than you know. Thank you so much and have a great day.